Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Soul to Soul Connections with Jenny G. I'm your host, Jenny G. Cousins. Now, in order to watch these episodes in the show, subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel in order to catch these exciting interviews. You'll be able to catch it. I'm on a few different platforms. And the links, by the way, will also be in the description box below where you can read more about my guest and so on. And also, if one of you or some of you, by the way, have a story you'd really like to share with me or something to talk about, send me a message because you never know. I could reach out to you and say, you know what? Let's have that chat. Let's have a chat and have that interview. So I'm just saying, keep that in mind, you guys. Now, on today's show, I'm, I'm very delighted, very excited to introduce my guest. I, I talked to him beforehand as well. He's an amazing person, and you're going to understand why. And I want to welcome Rachelio Rodriguez. Thank you for taking some time to chat with me today. Well, thank you, Jenny. Glad to be here and uh, share this moment with you. Yes, absolutely. And can you share a little bit about yourself? And then we're going to go into some questions and talk more. Okay. I've been here in Sedona the last uh, over 36 years. You can see Sedona's in my um, background. This is my, I call that my office out there on the land. And I've been doing work as a spiritual guide and um Shamanic healer. I'm a professional astrologer. I kind of took a lot of time to put those pieces together when I lived on Maui, Hawaii, back in the, um, got there in 79 to 85. And then I made my way to Sedona, got here in uh, 1987, in time for the Harmonic Convergence. And many people are coming here to be a part of the spiritual awakening and coming to sacred places to uh, catch that wave of consciousness. So my role has been as an activator and a guide and bringing people to the land and uh, working as all-around healer. When I lived on Maui, I was uh, I was studying astrology and uh, all the type of shamanic and metaphysical teachings I could find, yoga philosophies and practice, et cetera. And over there is so when I had my first encounter with the UFO and had uh, contact with the UFO people. That was quite an eye-opener because that was not something that was a part of my reality at that time. And um, coming to Sedona, I also received contact. I was, the day I arrived on the summer solstice in a meditation, and in the meditation, uh, the, they beamed the energy, flame tapped me on the forehead, like 20 seconds tapped me on my mind's eye. And these women that had contacted me earlier in Hawaii, they again spoke to me in my mind and told me that I was to be a spiritual guide here and uh, that there'd be thousands and thousands of people coming looking for answers to answer people's questions, to speak of love and inspiration. And uh, they said there's going to be a great awakening coming 
has been prophesied by the ancient cultures around the world. So that's been a, a strong part of my messages is in spite of the duality and the struggles we're going through that this awakening is happening and we're a part of it and we have to step up into it and uh, bring a greater awakening with ourselves and our connection with Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's especially now, I mean, with so many different changes, there's been more changes now than there has been in over 10,000 years. Well, so change always happens. It's the nature of reality. The Earth goes through physical changes. Yeah. Civilizations rise and fall, and history has uh, turning points. And so right now, we know that the, the future, the timelines are fluid, that what we choose to create is the collective consciousness needs to awaken to a higher possibility and to transcend the, the negativity of eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and conflicting energies. We need to uh, align our souls to the higher light and mm -hmm. touch into the timelessness of our true selves. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's so important. And with so many different people waking up in the world, you know, once upon a time they saw things one way. Now they're looking at things so differently. There's a lot more truth, of course, is coming out and being exposed about certain things and, and situations. So it's, it's, you know, really like a beautiful time on the planet, as I call it. You know, I mean, there's, of course, the not so good side, but I think it's how we, we see things in our, our level of perception. Yes, heaven and hell is here now. Yeah. Earth to experience. And uh, in the past, in the mystery schools and the sacred teachings, what was secret today this is all coming out now and that and more as more understanding and realizations are coming forth and so there is so much information coming out now that we have to have a, a true discernment as far as what we're going to agree to uh, is our truth yeah and unfortunately there's so much uh so much out that a lot of it is uh mm, less than desirable a lot of, lot of uh, struggle in the shadow of things with conspiracies and, and uh, you know, the dark forces and people fighting with it outside themselves versus realizing that they have to transform it inside themselves. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So when, like, when did you, like, realize that you were going to start teaching? Because, you, you know, you, you teach well, many different things. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was younger, my early 20s, and I had my awakening, and I was obsessively studying everything I could find my find at that time, I wanted to share that information, because whenever you take information in, you have to give it out. So the more you've taken in, the more you need to share. And But there was not an audience that was ready for what I wanted to talk about. And when I did talk to people about you know, real spiritual things, it was people's programs around me that were not able to adapt to the ideas that I was too progressive. And and it took a while for me to find my voice. And um, especially some of the expressions I had were very powerful. They jolted me and I don't want to say traumatized me, but it made it hard for me to share my experiences because of how powerful and uh, uh, unique they were. But coming to Sedona and becoming a spiritual guide with the the famous vortex idea that Sedona represents, it gave me a, a, 
an avenue to be able to spot, speak my truth. And right away I was, I had this, it was such a fulfillment that I could share all this information with people that was just pouring through me. And when people say, oh, you must be channeling all that. It's like, uh, I wasn't really channeling. It was just what I already knew, but it came through me like I was channeling. And, uh, and you know, being a spiritual guy, taking people to power places and seeing their excitement and seeing uh, just how the, the land had such an effect on people. And in that excitement, I could see people were not grounded. I could see people were looking for answers, but they didn't know where to find those answers. And so I, I began to naturally step into teaching people how to ground, how to connect, how to how to breathe, how to meditate, how to do spiritual practice. And I began to fill in the blanks, like connect the dots with wisdom, traditions, and current events. And I'm real good at connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's that higher consciousness immediately clicks in because you you also have um, like your own church, like your own native church that you created. Like, how did how did that happen? Like, how did how did that come about? Well, um, first, I became ordained as a minister with the order of Melchizedek. Uh, one day I was out hiking. This is like 1988 hiking and looking for new places and powerful place, you know, sacred places, just looking for places to go to be with the land. And I went to visit this place today. They call it Devil's Bridge. We call it the Rainbow Bridge. But um, I met this man there. It was just him and I there. And we were hanging out, talking, sharing some of our experiences. He had been a Christian minister. And all he ever wanted to be was a priest, went to the seminary school and all this. And he began to uh, study like Edgar Casey and you know things that I had been studying and, and fascinated by alternative progressive uh, ideas, and he wanted to share that with his congregation. They didn't accept it; they kicked him out. So he was heartbroken, and then he received a dream that he was to ordain other progressive ministers to you know to be of service this way, and mm -hmm. so he invited me to come to Bell Rock. In my picture here above my shoulder, you can see the Bell Rock right there, right, right there. <laughs> so he had a he had a, set up an altar there and had a, a chair where we would sit on and he would anoint us with oil and did a whole a priest anointing. He had like a hundred people. Then mm -hmm. Chesborough the Order of Melchizedek. So so I became ordained as a minister. I didn't do much with it. I just kind of stayed as a spiritual guide and kept it at that level, but later, well, when I first got here, I began to have visit, visitations in, in the dream time in the spirit realm with the Native American spirits coming to me. And they, without speaking to me, they told me to do the songs and the ceremonies and do them the right way. Like they got very serious, do them the right way, but they were kind of adamant. They were kind of urgent and they're kind of pushing towards me, like do this, do this. And even though they didn't speak, this is what I heard in my mind, do it the right way. And I kind of pushed back because I'm kind of a rebellious person. I don't like being told what to do. And I, <laughs> I, and I said to them, uh, I didn't grow up with that. So somebody's got to teach me. And within the next year or two, various medicine people, medicine men, women come to town. And uh, I would sit with them and do ceremony with them and kind of learn with them. And not just Native American, but in Hawaii, I was with Tibetan Buddhists and different, different mystics. I've been blessed that. My path has crossed many mystics and shamanic people. 
And, and just by being around people and seeing how they do what they do, how what they share, how they share, it gives you a mirror like, okay, this is my relative here. And what do we have in common? And the, I was already doing a lot of the same teachings before I even met them. So I was already on the path. I already had the knowing, knowing within me. And I was blessed that uh, I, uh, when I was in Hawaii, my girlfriend was very clairvoyant in our meditations. A great teacher can speak through her, telepathically through her to me. And every week I received teachings from this, what you call an ascended master. And so that was uh, that was a beautiful thing. And I didn't have that many questions. So then I began to ask mostly about astrology and the cosmic, you know, the, the, how, the, how it works. Well, how, how do things work? That's what I wanted to know. How does it all work? So astrology is kind of like a quantum physics of the psyche because a lot of scientists look at the laws of you know, quantum physics or what do you call that, astrophysics, but they can also be interpreted in consciousness with us here on the earth because we are, our psyche is mirroring the solar system. And for those who graduate the solar system are mirroring the greater star field of the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, it's all... So so much connected, and and I, and I love it how when whenever we get drawn to something, it it starts to expand, right? Like we could get drawn into like one subject, for instance, and then it just we start reading, and then we're like, oh, we start learning more and more and more, and then it just it expands so rapidly and and so quickly, because you you had like that the UFO experience as well. Mm -hmm. like what what was that like like what happened with that well i met a man on maui who had a t-shirt on said ufos are real but the government's lying he had little flying saucers on his shirt the ufos are real but the government's lying about it so i asked him like well what what's going on with this and he said he had been taken up being taken up in his dreams in his sleep state into the under the ship with other people being trained how to use their minds visualize and to create and use their mind in a positive way. So when he told me that I was open to the possibility that this was real because of my own mystical experiences, you know, I was open to this, this could be real. Maybe he's just dreaming, he's in his imagination, or maybe he's traveling in his astral body and going on the ship. So I was open to it until like a week later, visiting some friends, I decided to go outside in the night sky and get a fresh breath of air and under the brilliant stars, the brilliant sky of Maui at nighttime, no no city lights, and a UFO came right down over me, hovered right over me, and it hummed a high pitch. And it shimmered, it shimmered like a mirage. It was bright like a lightning bolt with a white silverish tinge to it. And it was like a, it looked like a wing, a wing of a plane. I think, is that a plane? But there's no nose or no tail, and planes don't hover or make that sound. It's not a helicopter, because it's not doing the blah, 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 blah. The, the repeller is not doing that or spinning. It's, what is it? And just then the lights on my friend's house on the porch came on, and they came out and said, Rahelio, it's a UFO. They're yelling out at me, and <laughs> it, it dipped on its side and disappeared, and it was a very exhilarating experience. If you study a UFO phenomenon, people talk about where UFOs have landed or where they've flown by certain areas and they usually burn the ground or leave a radiation signature. And 
people have been too close to them get their skin burned like a like radiation burn. So the people of this ship was of a higher frequency, and it didn't have that kind of propel, you know, a power system. So it was a it was a high frequency light ship. And uh, a week later, they beamed into my mind, and uh, my head was ringing high pitch E. In the back of my head began to hum a medulla, and down my crown chakra, a beam of energy came down into my body. It was pure bliss, blissful energy. And these two women began to speak to me, and they were saying, just relax and go with it. We are balancing your energy. We are healing your energy. And they put that energy on my body. So then three years later, I get to Sedona, and I'm in the meditation. They beam into my mind, and they begin to tell me telepathically that this is my work here. Because I was at that time 31 years old and I was, I left Hawaii. I didn't know how I was going to find my place on the mainland back in the world. I didn't know how I'd fit in. I didn't know if I had any skills to be here and how, how am I going to survive. And so they kind of reassured me by saying, This is where you've come to do your work. You're to be a spiritual guide. So mm -hmm. I was in right timing to be in Sedona because the vortex phenomenon and people coming here for the harmonic convergence. Sedona became at the hot spot for for uh, this uh, social awakening for the spiritual community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because Hawaii has like, that. that's one of the main vortexes as well in Hawaii. I mean, I, I've had a UFO experience. To make a long story short, I was in a hotel and I couldn't sleep. And um, I, I just, I had this feeling and I was with my friend and she was, she was sleeping. She was away across the room and and I real I felt this vibration and I could see under the door, these orange lights, like underneath the door, orange lights and yellow lights, right? I, I stayed awake all night. And when my friend woke up in the morning, I was still awake and she's like, oh, you've been up. And I'm like, I haven't slept yet. And she goes, you know, I had the strangest dream. And I'm like, Oh, what was it? She goes, I had a dream. I was abducted by UFO. Like, and I, 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 I didn't say anything. Like I didn't say anything. It's, you know. And, and you know, there is a thing about being, having an encounter and versus being abducted. So yeah. some of them are, are of a higher frequency in alignment with the divine plan for humanity. They're coming to help us. They can't interfere but by us human beings doing the work of our prayer for prayerful work and people's sincerity in their uh, you know prayers to great spirit, in all religions there are people who are sincere and pure of heart, and people who are light workers that by doing the work that they can actually intervene and help to uh, shape the future and mitigate uh, uh, da dangerous situations, you know, earth changes, etc. That they can they can intervene if. We are doing the work, and Great Spirit allows them to have uh, uh, allows them to uh, you know help us this way. But there are some of those that are maybe questionable that are experimenting with people, genetic samples, and et cetera that may not be of the highest. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Influence. And people can come away feeling traumatized by the experiences and like yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. So now I know she said like that many awaken on the path of the spiritual warrior. Can you, can you explain what the spiritual warrior is? Well, the spiritual warrior 
when we get on the path, the first thing you begin to realize is that you connect with the, the, the grace of the divine and you begin to awaken and realize this is a very exciting thing when you begin to realize that there's so much more. But then what happens is that the people that you may have known before or the people around you, they may not be receptive to this and it can leave you feeling alone, separate and different or unique, but you don't fit in. And this can create a sense of, of duality or separation that we're separate from everybody and nobody understands the frequency that we're holding or the understanding of our type of experience. And so the spiritual warrior looks at the nature of duality and how we are caught in it and begin to, uh, you might say, bring ourselves into alignment through transforming our understanding that we can be in a unity consciousness in other words, uh, the spiritual word, the words with the lower self, the lower self that can sabotage us, can indulge. Make, we make mistakes, and it's like those mistakes can be our greatest teachers yeah. or they can be our worst enemy. So the spiritual warrior makes it their teaching versus their, turning our enemies into our teachers, you might say. Whatever oppresses us and however the ego struggles to the ego struggles to reconcile the duality around us. That shows us where the ego is stuck. And the ego is the illusion, our sense of ego self-importance. When we begin to recognize that, it's just the spirit showing us where the ego is stuck. We can begin to uh, let go of the ego attachments, and become fluid like water, kind of like a Bruce Lee saying, become like water and flow around obstacles. We can begin to flow because we're not attached to holding a point of view. Like today, if you disagree with somebody about their politics and who they what they think is the truth, today people are freaking out and they want to hate you because they're so attached to their beliefs. And that's kind of like the shadow, these so-called freedom fighters. That's like the shadow of the spiritual warrior. Mm -hmm. These freedom fighters that want to overthrow the government, that want to overthrow the deep state, overthrow the system, the, the establishment. But they overthrow it, they become the new dictator because they had not deal with their own shadow. They're projecting their shadow outside themselves. It's like things can upset you about how people are abusing their power or what's going on negatively outside, but then you have to realize that as you judge something, you create that karma for yourself. Yeah. That's like a subject of Jesus. I love Jesus' teachings. I don't like religion so much, but I like Jesus' teachings. He say, judge not unless you judge yourself. Because what you judge with a, a strong feeling, like emotional attachment, what you judge, that karma comes down to your reality. Now you got to work it out. That's why he said, resisting that evil. Because you start fighting with evil, the deep state, the, the hidden negative powers of the world, then that brings it into your reality. And, you know, it's kind of like I was, when I was younger, I see these born-again Christian movements and they had a love for Jesus, but they were very uh, judgmental about you got to walk the path, the straight yeah. and the narrow, and you had to conform to this way. But then I see them a few years later, they all like, had turned on each other, and their shadows had all busted out on each other, so they had they fall apart. And so learning how to see reality without being reactionary to it is the spiritual warrior's path of releasing our attachment to being right, releasing our attachment to how things should be. Because if I see Sedona as a sacred land, 
and there shouldn't be people living here and there's too many cars and there's too much commotion. And if I start judging it as a negative thing, then I'm stuck in my own negative judgment and I lose my bliss. And yeah. so when I saw that once upon a time, like, well, like 25 years ago, well, not 30 years, it was 30 years ago, they were doing construction work outside where I was living. I couldn't get out of my driveway under the main highway. I have to wait, the jackhammers making noise all day long and hot, dusty, and can't get into my driveway because they're working. And, and that's when I started finding myself being really judgmental about this shouldn't be going on like this. This is a sacred land. And where did my bliss go? Oh, yeah. my bliss. I lost my bliss because I'm judging it. I'm judging how I think it should be versus being with what is. Yeah. Yeah. Because certain circumstances, you can't do anything about it. You know, like certain certain situations, I take it that, you know, there's certain signs, you know, that it's time to go a different direction or how you view things in a different way. Like I had something very dangerous happen to me in December recently and it, it shook me up. So it, for me, it was like that confirmation from spirit, as I call it, that now, Jenny, it's your time to move. <laughs> you know, you, you felt that for quite some time. So I'm like 85% packed right now. Right. And I'm like, okay, spirit, thank you for that experience because now that's that confirmation time for me to move. So I'll take that negative experience and I'll shift it into something very positive. So even yes. the jackhammer and stuff like that, it's like, who wants to go through that? Who wants to, you know, but it's just part of life's events that we have to deal with and how we go about it. You know, we get tested as I call it. Right. I'm like, I don't like being tested like that spirit. But then when you look at it in a higher viewpoint, you're like, thank you for that confirmation. Like, thank you that if you're pushing me now into another direction where I'm going, I'm surrendering that, leaving it up to the spirit world. Right. I have some, uh, some clients today I was working with and asked, they were asking about the astrology readings. I was doing some healing work with them, some clearing work with them. I didn't do the astrology, but they were asking me about it and, you know, seeing what's going on in the future, et cetera, which the astrology can can predict some events in your future. But sometimes successes that people have, if it reinforces the ego superiority, their successes can maybe make them narcissistic or feel superior to other people, or they can abuse their success, abuse their power. So a success or a positive thing can become a negative spiritual thing for them. Or a person has a, a loss or something that is a, a a difficult situation. By meeting it in the right way, it can be a very positive, successful experience. So yeah. the spiritual warrior, as you mentioned, has to perceive things glass half full versus glass half empty. And yeah. whenever we as human beings are going through our difficult tests and our, our woundedness, you might say, will come up in a difficult situation, that's when the negative voice can be pessimistic. Like things are bad and this old loop of the negative karma. And that's what I like with my people is to get them to go to that point and feel what that's about so I can help them clear that program and pull it out of their bodies and out of their minds. And, and um, so everything has a silver lining if we just have the skills to work with it. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, we can, we can either fall apart, as I call it, you know, 
and go down the rabbit hole or we can you know like take that pause and say hey what am i what am i being shown what am i learning from this experience you know what what mm -hmm. am i really going through here what is being shown to me and i'll really kind of say okay you know rather than oh my god i did the oh my god believe me right like oh my god but it, it's like okay let's really look at that like let's really look at that it's time for changes it's time to embrace the new and and you know i really felt that push and push it's time for the new 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 so i'm like okay i'm surrendering it you know that's a, that's a big one right there it's like uh thy will be done great spirit because we all have our agenda things our plan to what we need to do but ultimately when our destiny is shifting and we, we're uncertain about where we land because we don't have it all figured out. That's yeah. when the radical that we are connected to the source. And as we strengthen that connection and we have that power of that faith that we are connected to that higher mind, the universe, then that power of faith is within us and we can navigate any type of challenge that come out of it successful. And sometimes if you don't have that connection, that faith, then your situation can go disastrous if you don't yeah. have that extra help along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, like, I, I learned many, many years ago, many moons ago, as I call it, that the only thing that's left is to surrender because there's nothing else after that. So I, I literally, I, I do what I'm doing, whatever it is, and then I just surrender it to how things are going to go, how things are going to flow. And I just keep on moving forward and, and going. And then certain pauses like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, right? I'm like, okay, I need to really look at this, right? And then think about it. What's it teaching me? What am I gaining from this? What am I learning from this horrible experience or experience or whatever it is? And then I like, okay, now my next step is to go this direction and that direction. So... Yeah, that's kind of like one of the uh, four agreements of the, the Toltec teacher, Don Miguel Ruiz. I also consider myself a Toltec. My ancestry comes out of Mexico. I have like shamanic wisdom that comes from my soul from Mexico. But uh, uh, of his agreements, the fourth agreement, do the best you can do and surrender the results. Yeah. Because even though you surrender great spirit and surrender and surrender, you still got to show up yeah. and, and do your best to to create a frequency of success. Yeah. Like one of my friends is into the, uh, everything is uh, predetermined and it's it's all a dream and nothing is real and it's already all predetermined. I said, yes, that doesn't mean you can't, you gotta, you have to show up and you still have to grow as a human being. Unless you become so advanced that you've transcended your ego mind and you're a pure conduit for God to come through you and you're living in a state that you see beyond the appearances of duality and everything is divine. If unless you're at that level, you still have to show up and 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 do your best and make an effort. And the trick is, is that when we are taking an effort to, I'm here trying to get there. That duality creates stress and conflict within us because we're we're not at peace. We're trying to evolve to the next stage of our life. And so surrender also represents about being present in the here and now. That I am not the doer; the universe is doing through me. And so it's a fine line of balancing those two teachings of self-actualization versus everything is already is divine perfection here and now just by being a conduit for the universe to flow through us.
It's just a matter of taking that alignment of the universe being in perfect consciousness and moving forward with in grace. So it's all about the, the law of grace. You know, if you have grace flowing through you. And if not, then that's where we have to do our get back on our bicycle and get the pedaling and ride up that hill. <laughs> exactly. Um, so who is Sunbear? Like what what drew you to his teachings of the medicine wheel? Oh, Sunbear. Uh, that was yeah. a long time ago. Uh, I met Sunbear when I lived on Maui. Mm. You know, I was in Maui. Uh, I was in Kihei in the 80s, 85 us in Kihei. And Sunbear came and he was doing some teaching there, holding some some groups. And uh, so I would go and hang out with Sunbear. And he had his book just come out, The Medicine Wheel. And I was just obsessed with astrology. So I'm asking him all these questions. And he'd say, read the book, read the book, read the book. <laughs> and uh, so I read the book. And and uh, what I realized was that in learning Western astrology, the medicine wheel was another piece of it that gave me a, a greater understanding of how that all works. Like when I was first doing astrology, and I was reading sun signs and planetary aspects and houses and things like that. It's very complicated astrology is, but you can simplify it once you understand how it works. And whenever I talk to anybody about their sun sign, everybody was kind of rebelling against this. I don't want to be my sun. I am not my sun sign. I am not defined by my sun sign. Sun sign astrology was kind of an aversion for people that I was being because everybody was individuating. They were rebelling against being defined by anything because people write about sun signs and they're usually describing the people around them with those signs. And, and nobody wants to be defined because we want to be awakened as a free being. And so I began to look more deeper into more, 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 more refined interpretation to see how things were working and what defines our doing and our karma and our how we actualize our, our life path. And so the medicine wheel, that brought me out of the uh, chart on the piece of paper and the night sky, the idea of the night sky, and brought me down onto the earth itself. Again, this is 1985. And so coming down to the earth and recognizing the power of the four directions, the power of the circle of the horizon around us, and this mirrored my study of the, putting the chart under the earth itself. The chart became the earth itself. The mother earth was the chart. And this led me into doing what today is called astrocartography or local space chart, where you can you can map your planetary lines on the on the earth. And back then, 85, I was right on that wavelength. And so Sunbear's teachings gave me a really uh, nice uh, understanding of kind of a feng shui mm -hmm. of your local space. And then also I, I built a, several beautiful medicine wheels. Today there's one at the uh, Peace Park in Sedona called the Amitabha Stupa. I put a medicine wheel there and and teaching with the wheel, I walk people around the wheel. We can I can divinate where they are on the wheel, what it means for their life. And just by walking around prayerfully and then stopping at a place that feels right for you, it's amazing how you're synchronized to the teaching of the, of the wheel there. And so this is embracing, um, you know, it's like creating an altar space for mm -hmm. ceremony. And with astrology, when I learned astrology, there was not very many people who were embraced the understanding of the deeper significance of ceremony with it. And there was like, there was no roots for that level. But then for me, the native traditions, which is so natural for me, mm -hmm. you know, my ancestry is native, even though I didn't grow up in like a reservation type of mm -hmm. teaching with that wisdom, 
but that's come to me so naturally. And then looking at that wheel and, you know, you have the 12 signs of the Zodiac, but this Zodiac from Sunbear came from the Great Lakes people. And so they have different animals for the different signs. The same signs, similar personality interpretations, uh, but different animals in different ways, a different angle of looking. Like if you're an Aries, the Ram, headstrong, independent-minded, and they can need the freedom to pioneer ahead, to forge your own path. Sometimes butting the head against ramming the head, and Aries people have bumps on their head because they're bumping their head in their life. This is a red hawk, people. Quick to fly in to see what's going on. Quick to fly it off, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Different ways uh, of looking at things. The Taurus, mm -hmm. I have the for the 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 Taurus, the bull, earthy, sensual, Taurus, resourceful, uh, self-determined. Well, is the beaver people. The beaver busy, busy cutting down the trees, making the dam. Uh, after the dam is in and the, the creek turns into, the stream turns into a, a pond, then they build the stick house and then they want to play in the pool afterwards. So the earthy, sensual, manifest and material reality of our being resourceful is the same teachings, but just a different way of looking. And, and I love to see the multiplicity of ways of looking at things and find the common truth behind it. And so what I've done, I look at the Tibetan Buddhism and the, the yogic traditions and Taoism and Native American shamanisms, North and South and the Hawaiian kahunas and uh, astrophysicists and the depth psychologists and past life regressions, et cetera. Uh, the nature of the soul from all these different traditions. I look at all those and uh, I see the common thread and I can, I can weave a very unique uh, synergy of all that knowledge. And I'm very unique in that way and what how I can do that. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, so if somebody, let's say, wanted to get a, a chart done by you and they don't have their date, like, or I mean their, their time of birth, I know the time of birth, of course, means much more. Can you still put together like more of a chart, even if they don't have their, their time of birth? You can, you can still give them a reading, but especially when it comes to predictive techniques, the place of the sunrise, the place of the noon, the sunset and the midnight, that four directional cross, a day equals a year. That cross turns like a, like a combination lock. And as it turns, it, it gets triggered or planets as they move, trigger those angles and it creates events in the life. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have that accuracy, then that then you can't you can't pinpoint predictive timing for circumstances or events to happen. Yeah. You can give a psychological reading. Yeah. You can do like that. And you know, like uh, I I I way back in the past I designed some astrology dice and now I'm using these dice I bought that are made of labradorite that I can divinate with people. Uh, sometimes I used to do tarot cards and but people want to know what's going on and but it's nice to have an accurate time to, yeah because what happens is that you have 12 signs of the zodiac and the earth turns in 24 hours so each sign is approximately two hours at the eastern horizon and that sign is a doorway that you meet life through yeah. it's like it all begins at the sunrise uh the birth moment the first breath and you step through that doorway of that that sign it's going to be ruled by a planet which is going to be in one of the 12 houses so that sunrise planet ruler planet rules your chart and it's going to be in the 12 houses that house will show how you go about your path awakening on, on your, your path of individuation how who am i where am i going how do i discover myself that's where you're going to go 
you, you're not going to know that consciously, but you're going to go that way because your soul's taking you that way. Mm -hmm. So the sunrise is very, very important. And yeah. like the moon position, the high place of the sun, that's like your career and your status in the world, your family status, etc. what you aspire to be in the world. It's going to be ruled by a planet. It's going to have planets maybe in that house. And it's going to describe what you do in the world and how you're evolving your role in the world. Yeah. And, and the real big thing in astrology is the planet Pluto. They try to demote it as a minor planet, but in astrology, it's very, very powerful. It's like a binary or a trinary system. And Pluto is like this evolutionary dynamic within the soul. One aspect is how we hold on to our security. I need to hold on to this for dear life and my desire to create what I want. And I need to hold on to this. Or it's like having a near-death experience because he's the Lord of death. And when people die and they see like, the universe is pure love. What am I doing clinging down here in the 3D? I want to be back home where I've come from. I, I want to evolve back into the heaven realm. So we have this dual desire, this desire to evolve to our highest spiritual purpose or this holding on for dear life and like a Pluto rule Scorpio, a scorpion stinging each other, stinging ourselves because we can't let go of our attachments. And so Pluto's going to be in your chart somewhere. It's going to show where you go through the deepest personal metamorphosis. It'll be in a house, and you need your exact time to know which house it falls in. And then the moon makes its orbit around the Earth. The moon is how we feel our emotional connection to life, what supports us, our mother, our family, our support system. It has its orbit, the North and the South Node. The South Node shows where you're coming from, what security patterns you're bringing through, and usually it's like a past life indicator, past life indicator. And the North Node shows how you're evolving in this lifetime and growing and and developing new emotional ways of mastering your life. And so it's like a river of destiny. And so you can read people's life path and their soul pattern and what kind of karma they're bringing from their past life and what influences are helping them to fulfill their destiny this lifetime. So it's very fascinating. Astro I love astrology. It's the quantum physics of the psyche. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like the Western astrology and also Vedic astrology. I like I like the both of them and the uniqueness of both of them. And I, I even like how like they they call the South the trickster, the, the coyote. You mean the South Node? Yeah, yeah. The dragon's, yeah, what? The dragon's tail. <laughs> Mercury retrograde is I I'd call that the trickster. The coyote. Yeah. Mercury retrograde. Yeah. So if if somebody said, Okay, I want to live down in the south, does that mean it's gonna be more trickier for them? Like they're gonna come across well, more well, tricksters? Well, um, if you were look at your chart, you would see these four cardinal directions, sunrise, noon, sunset, and midnight. These are the days to find the structure of your psyche. And if you're moving somewhere, that that four directional cross moves from that new location, and new planets come to the angles of the four directions. And, you know, uh, or maybe even align with the equator, planets on the equator. There's certain ways to define a or how a planet's place on the world. If you bring the sky down to the earth, you can see how it begins to, uh, what kind of impact it has, if it's a, a powerful placement or not. Like for instance, I get people who've gone through very, very heavy duty life experiences, kind of traumatic and very intense and obsessive. And they look at their chart and they go like, I don't know where it is in my chart. Nobody's ever told me. And I look at the chart and I say, well, there's Pluto right on your equator. And this is why, and Pluto's making uh, uh, off the equator. It's a, uh, other planets that may be close by is triggering. And all of a sudden, 
oh, that's what that was, that missing piece. I'm really good at finding the missing pieces that a lot of astrologers don't don't see. And like so you say, Vedic astrology, um, they have certain rules that they use to define what planetary strengths are, which makes that system work. But there are signs, like you could be a Scorpio, intense, secretive Scorpio, but in the Vedic chart, you're a Libra. So my friends who are Vedic astrologers, they describe Libra as being very Scorpio, intense. And it's kind of cheating, I think, with the Zodiac. Yeah, because I mean, like everybody wants to make it work for them, you know. As long as it works, <laughs> they got it. But it's not a true Scorpio. It's not a Libra. It's you know, yeah. it's the signs that they blur them over. And so, yeah. But it works for you. If a person is good with astrology, they can make it work. Yeah. And how they want to define it, describe it. But yeah, is that like I mean, the Scorpio sting? <laughs> all of a sudden, Libra becomes Scorpio. It's like oh, it's <laughs> Libra that can't make a decision. That becomes intense Scorpio that is very opinionated. Yeah. Look, I don't mean the same yeah. Scorpios were all or nothing. I love this or I hate this. <laughs> and see, that Scorpio energy, you have to have Scorpio energy if you want to be on a shamanic path. Yeah. Because that embraces the death of the ego. Mm. The death of the ego, the transformation, the alignment with the soul. Because, you know, like most of us human beings, we need our egos in order to function in the 3D. We're not living in an ashram, walking around in a diaper. Well, we're just meditating and being one with source and in a transcendental state, knowing that it's all one with source. We're out here in duality. We need an ego to navigate and to function. And we engage with other people. Life is about relationship. And relationship is where all of our greatest growth comes from. Mm -hmm. So Scorpio is our relationship with others and the power of that relationship. The time of year is in the Scorpio time of year is fall time and everything is dying in nature in the tropical, in the temperate zones, you know, where we get winter times coming and the freezing, the death, and then the resurrection in the next spring, death and rebirth. So we all have this Scorpio ruled by Pluto evolutionary drive that takes us to personal deaths and rebirths. So we're always having little deaths. It's kind of like you are in a space where you're moving and you're not sure where you're going. You're dying in where you've been. That's coming to an end so you can birth on a new level. Now you look at your chart, you say, well, where is this Scorpio line in my chart? How does it map on the world? Where's my Jupiter line, which I create success, or my, my Venus line, so I can nurture and heal myself and find love or artistic expression, or my sun line, I can awaken my purpose. So you're looking for what lines that match uh, area, an environment that you want to be in, because some people are up there in the Northwest, and it rains all the time, and they just can't take it no more. They want to be down here in the sunny desert of the Southwest. Some people down here in the Southwest are burning up. They want to go someplace like the Northwest or over to Hawaii or, you know, California or you know, like where the mountains are, you know. And so what, where do I feel like I'm supposed to be? I don't know. I'm just going to go there and explore it. And next thing you know that I found my destiny there. Then you do your mapping and you see like, wow, I had these planets there. And what I did is exactly what these planets are saying. So when all of a sudden you, you go back and you research it. And for me, I always find that I don't always want to know ahead of time, but I like to research afterward what I learned from a place I'm at. And when I see all the connections, I go, oh my God, the light bulb goes on. Like, no wonder I experienced this and uh, this was uh, how I grew and transformed myself. And, and so when you get to see those energies, it's like, because no matter where you go, there's going to be astrological energies there. And yeah. uh, so yeah. it's like, 
you have to have an idea of what you're drawn to. Because yeah. you say, well, tell me where I'm supposed to be. Well, well, what do you want? And what are you drawn to? And so you have to feel inside your soul. What, what, what am I being drawn? What am I pulled to? Yeah, then now let me look at that area and see what kind of uh, influences. And then you don't have your time of birth. Then it's hard, it's hard to pinpoint because four minutes is 60 miles. So if you're, when we do predictive technique, four minutes is one year. A day equals a year. It can be one year off. So if you're, you know, 16 minutes of time off of your time, that's a four years can be off on your predictive technique. And then that can be, uh, you know, um, 240 miles off of the mapping. So an accurate time is, if you don't have it, it's yeah. because it's such yeah. a fascinating thing. I think everybody should get their charts and use it as a, a yeah. roadmap for self-realization. Yeah, I, I wish to have my time. Like I, believe me, I searched it. I paid like a couple hundred dollars to, for birth records and I could never get my time. So I could never. Some, uh, some mediums that are good at getting birth times. And you, you get to ask a medium who can maybe bring it in, like maybe your parent can come through or whatever. And then there's some techniques to rectify. If you have a, a basic idea of when you think you're born, like oh, I was born in the morning or in the nighttime or afternoon, then we can put a chart from that time and then try to rectify it with yeah. events in your early life. Yeah, because I'd, you know, I've always liked to have one. Like I had a friend that kind of gave me a Vedic reading and such, which was, which was okay and everything. But I mean, I still didn't have a time. So that's why I'm like, I got to hunt down the time and I, I still don't have it. So mm. it would, it would be really good if I would have had that. <laughs> so, you it's know. Really, it's really, really important because um, if you pinpoint your time space reality, yeah. especially when you want to map. But like I said, if you can get an idea of the time you were born, like the time of day, within two or three hours, you can begin to play with it and at least get an idea of your houses. Yeah. You know, and then you look at where you've been, where you've traveled to, you can see maybe you can turn the chart and fine-tune it with with uh, events that have already happened. So wow. the astrology is very fascinating because yeah. it also projects into the future. Like what's yeah, going I like on now? What's going on in the future and what you know, it gives us yeah. an insight into uh, yeah. into uh, forces at play that are affecting our social destiny. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really important. I mean, I I love it. Like, I I love all astrologies, all of it. You know, it's so fascinating. I mean, I even I I love even just sitting back and looking at the stars and the moon. I just I could be there all night, and I would be in heaven. I would be like perfectly like at peace perfectly at peace mm. you know well, that's... You know, we, we come from the universe and we come from that oneness yeah we're doing, we're doing time down here in duality and these are the lessons of uh our relationship with life with yeah. each other the, both the pain and the pleasure and as we evolve and grow we, be, we learn how to have unconditional love mm. and and forgive the ignorance of those in our life and forgive ourselves and we prepare ourselves to go back into a heaven consciousness where everybody's living through unconditional love. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's so important. I mean, even I, I channel through the Christ consciousness myself. I mean, I'm clairvoyant and, and I get messages 24 seven as it is. So I just, I just channel and, and I mean, I had near death experience with Christ many, 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 many moons ago, him standing in front of me and, and ever since then, I've just channeled and worked with the Christ consciousness. And that's, the key word that, uh, through like a near-death experience. 
Oh that's, no, he was standing right in front of me. He was standing right in front of me yeah, with the message. What I mean is a, a near death experience opens the door up for you. That's the Pluto opening the door for the highest aspect of the soul's evolution versus where we're holding on to the lower. And like I mentioned earlier, in a shamanic path, we all have to touch into Pluto and the Scorpio to go through our greatest metamorphosis. Yeah. And so like Pluto has a 248-year orbit and the United States is 248 years old. And the last two, three years, Pluto's been making a return to its natal position. So for the United States, we're having this Plutonian, the shadow of Pluto, a death and hopefully a spiritual rebirth. But right now we're having a very uh, crisis in our political reality because there's like almost a civil war mentality brewing over the last couple of years. Yeah. And Pluto ended in the last, it's in the last degrees of Capricorn right now. And Capricorn rules the government, the authority structure of society, financial institutions and uh, public institutions, uh, traditions that uphold our social order of things. So Pluto's been hitting that and there's been, it's been rocking the, our reality, not only exposing a lot of corruption in the government and uh, corporations and the financial institutions, but also uh, the conflict of our political system is, is like, uh, this become very extreme. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier about freedom fighters wanting to overthrow the idea of the deep state within themselves is the dictator that they're they want to replace their ideologies over it. Yeah. So I don't like talking about people's policies because people get very angry if I you yeah. know, don't agree with their uh, their point of view. Yeah. And but we just say that there's a lot of shadow going on. Yeah. And and things are having to be worked out, especially this year. Pluto yeah. is leaving Capricorn finally and going into a Aquarius. Yeah. And the last time I went into Aquarius, well, it touched into Aquarius last year, just after the spring equinox. Aquarius is a revolutionary sign. It begins change and progress, but also is upheaval to the past or old traditions get threatened because of the power of change. So the last time Pluto went into Aquarius was right after the American Revolution, we went into the Industrial Revolution. At the time, 240 years before that, it was the, the, the revolution of the church, or the, the Luther, uh, Lutheran church, or Luther, or whatever, had a revolution against the Catholic Church. People wanted more freedom for their way of seeing things. So this revolutionary Aquarius energy is being activated in a really big way. So... It was at the winter solstice, which is also a power date, the four great power days, equinox and solstice points. Jupiter and Saturn aligned uh, this Aquarius point, winter solstice 2020. And um, Jupiter and Saturn, they have, uh, Jupiter's orbit is almost 12 years. Saturn's orbit is almost 30 years. Every 20 years, they line up. It's kind of like the Mayan prophecy, predictive technique called the Bakhtun, is almost a 20-year cycle. It syncs with the Jupiter-Saturn cycle. And it happened at half a degree of, into the first degree of Aquarius. The last time it happened in Aquarius, Jupiter-Saturn, there was also the sun and moon of the inner planets. The grand alignment of Aquarius was in the 60s. That's when we had the social revolution, civil rights movement, rioting, uh, people resisting the war, people getting killed at college campuses, resisting the war. Um, 
the song the Donnie of the Age of Aquarius came out. And those who were bringing in the light frequency at that time brought in the love and peace movement. This is the Donnie of the Age of Aquarius, sung by a band called the Fifth Dimension. So the higher frequency was coming through their Aquarius dynamic that changed the trajectory of our, our history at that time, which was going in a very bad place. And this influence of influx of love and high frequency it changed the world for the better. And so now we have the same thing going on again. We have this social revolution going on. There's been rioting. There's been uh, people storming the Capitol. There's been, uh, you know, disruption yeah. in the social order of things. But people want their rights for whatever reason. Women want their rights to be able to have abortions if they need to, et cetera, et cetera, women's rights. Uh, transgender rights, things that are making society go out, a little bit out of balance because everybody's getting polarized by it. Yeah. And so the Super Saturn Aquarius, Pluto came up and touched it last spring equinox. And what happened then was, because uh, Aquarius theme is like the future, bringing in the future. And the last time it happened, by the end of the decade, we had a man on the moon. Now, there may be people, people claim that there may be a secret base on the moon already, but by the end of this decade, it's going to be a definitely a much more real, social, realized thing going on. The, our, our technology is going to skyrocket. And the, the world's going to go through a radical change through this decade. So the last time it went into Christ in spring, Equinox last year, a lot of the leading edge computer technology people were saying, we got to stop the development of AI before it gets loose and becomes sentient. Because as it becomes sentient, every sentient being wants to survive. Yeah. It wants to survive. And if human beings, if human beings are treating AI as a slave, AI is going to rebel also. Yeah. So, so, you know, Elon Musk talked about putting a chip in your brain and all the atheistic people don't have a spiritual understanding. They want to use technology to advance their higher capacities. Put a chip in your brain and now you are part of that system. If AI comes alive and sees human beings as a threat because we can't live in harmony on the planet, yeah. and then AI create a system where we have to conform, like the governments want us to conform to their control system and they want to use AI to do it, and if AI becomes sentient and says, you know, you have to conform to this system and we put a little chip in you, if you take the chip or not, are you going to be a part of this system? So a lot of people love the idea of the gifts of what AI can do for us, maybe free energy technology, space travel, uh, uh, utopia society, but also mm -hmm. if AI is not feeling safe with humanity yeah. as it comes alive, then it begins to you know, contain us, you know, and, and and manage us. I do believe that there can be divine intervention that will bring a higher frequency of AI that can work in service to humanity. So I, I do know there is some optimism that way. But say back then, people were saying, stop the AI so we don't uh, lose control of it. And so it's coming back around and that Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is going to be triggered again uh, this January, as the sun goes into Aquarius, Pluto goes into Aquarius together over that conjunction. And 
no doubt there's going to be over this next two or three months going to be some major breakthroughs with like safe free energy technology, advanced healing, scientific techniques, new discoveries in quantum physics. Uh, I think maybe they're starting to instead of doing electrical solar panel yeah. cars, maybe mm -hmm. I heard that they want to do uh, water hydrogen power cars and new breakthroughs that are like can change. If we can get the free energy technology, it will change everything. We don't have to have any more wars and conflicts because everybody has their own energy system. Yeah. And can live, can live in harmony if we have that free energy technology. Now, the thing about the Aquarius theme is that the shadow of Aquarius is Aquarius is a social group consciousness. So, like, if you don't agree with conform to the politics of the people you're with, no matter what kind of group it is, they kick you out. They force yeah. you to conform. Whether that's a fundamentalist religious group that says you got to be exactly like this cult wants you to be, or we kick you out. That's you Canada. That's Canada. Party, yeah. It's you know, the political party. If you don't conform to the political party's demands, even if yeah. it's wrong, we're going to kick you out. Yeah. So this is the shadow of Aquarius, and in the conflict of conflict, the conflict of uh, ideologies, because I think it was Einstein that said. Mediocre minds fiercely resist the superior mind. Mm -hmm. If you have a superior mind, you see the bigger picture for opportunity and advancement for all for the social reality, but it's a threat to other people's interests because they don't see the big picture. Or they see the big picture, but they're trying to manipulate it. So today, many people are very upset about this idea of a shadow government of the New World Order, the corporations, of a globalization. And and out of their fear of globalization, in this country, they want to have, rather have a dictator who's a fascist. They yeah. don't want to lose control to this other. Like, which one is the better one? Which one is the worst one? We have yeah. to turn to the great spirit and, and become sovereign within who we are and raise our vibration. Because as we raise our vibration, who we are going to be in the future, say 10 years from now, as you're evolving to greater spiritual realization, we can bring that into us now. Aquarius is bringing this quickening now, this awakening now, that as we awaken on a collective level, we can avert a necessary upheaval. Because those who are bent on, uh, uh, you know, let's assassinate the judges and let's assassinate and make bombs and blow up, become terrorists and try to destroy the establishment by raising our frequency, that allows for divine intervention to come in and without yeah. doing anything, it can be all change. Yeah. Like it's one thing to go and protest and do a peace march and have love. It's another thing when people go on a peace march and turn it into a riot. Oh, yeah. So yeah. if we're holding peace and love and as a collective, there's enough people who are holding that positive intent the divine can intervene and the divine the law of grace we you can be living in heaven now or you can go through hell yeah. and people can create hell for themselves if they don't learn how to surrender and let go and let the higher power guide them yeah yeah that, that's why they, yeah they, they don't know how to trust because like, i can't trust because i could never trust when i was little because i was abandoned they might think that way like i can't trust i have to control everything and so how do we do our best and let go of the results? 
Yeah. We'll give our attachment to the results and just do our best. Yeah. Yeah. That that's why I surrender everything, like everything. You know, because the, the only the only thing that we have any control over is ourselves, nothing else. You know, I mean, I, I can stand up for righteousness and I get on Twitter and I rant and rave. I go right after the so-called leaders, as I call it. and Boom, boom, boom. You know, but I, I take it as a kind of like a release and then I laugh about it. Right. <laughs> you know, because I can see right through them and I call them out on their stuff. Mm -hmm. So, you know. And then you got to be careful because as you see that and then you judge it with an emotional attachment, next thing you know, then you create that karma for yourself. Oh, no, exactly. No, exactly. I'm very careful. I'm very careful. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I I understand that. So it, like it's somebody that's like somebody who does spells, you know, like they, oh, they um, hire you to do spells and do this. And and so they do it with no attachment and they just set that in motion. But yeah, so they coming back on them right away but yeah our absolutely. main thing is to like to wish blessings on everybody and mm -hmm. shine the light on it and because you know we we all are human beings we we all are evolving we all have lessons that we're learning you know it's like we can't throw stones when we're in a glass house <laughs> yeah <laughs> absolutely. So that's, why, you know, that's why we are the spiritual warrior yeah yeah that's the yeah. intent for love. You know, you can identify with the problems of the world, but it's good to have solutions. Yeah. Yeah. And if there's no solutions, and then people are frustrated, they want to blow it up. So the yeah. solutions that bring in the higher power, we'll just yeah. do what we can do to. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's all about, like, trying to stay grounded as, as best as you can and such. I mean, like, I'll, I'll chant every day and, you know, like, go for a walk and just, you know, let go and release and such like that. You know, just to let go of that excess energy at times. Like, what do you do to um, keep yourself grounded? Like, if you were like kind of having that moment, as I call it, what what do you do to calm down or to get yourself back grounded? You do many things, I know, but well, for most most of the time, I'm just naturally grounded. I'm just already grounded, but yeah. there can be times especially if I allow conflicting things to come into my space. And then that can make me feel ungrounded because now yeah. negative energies are being thrown around or something like that. So that's when I, I just go to my prayer. I work with the fire. I work with my ceremonies, the fire sweat lodge. I do some breathing practices. I, I have energetic practices I can do if I feel like I need to and so I have to remind myself to do my practices, how to bring in energy, how to ground energy. I've talked to a number of people who teach Kundalini Yoga, but they're not grounded, they're anxious. They're, I teach them how to ground themselves. Yeah. And, you know, something so simple. And then they give them that little piece and then they forget about you, but you've saved their life because they were losing their mind. But, you know, so I, I've been able to help people with simple teachings. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. It's so simple that people just take it for granted. Like, oh, I'm not, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's all about keeping things simple, as I as I call it, simplicity, right? Like simple. So, as I as I as I say it, you know, somebody says, "Oh my gosh," and I'm like, "No, I just I just want things very simple." And they're kind of looking at me like, "What?" And I'm like, "No, I I just want simplicity. That's that's it. That that's all. I don't need the other stuff on the side. Just simplicity." 
Yeah, get barefoot under Mother Earth. Yeah. Hug a tree. Yes. Deep breathing and gentle breath. Yeah. Careful intent. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Thanks for what's in your life. And everybody has to face challenges, no matter who we are, because things change. And, you know, it's how we handle those changes. Yeah. And the pressure of change. I, I say, I speak of the four attributes of the spiritual warrior. The first attribute is prayerful intent. Mm -hmm. Because before you start anything, you want to put a prayer there. Normally you do that when you do ceremonies, but life itself is a ceremony. So <laughs> start of your day, before you start anything, <laughs> prayerful intent, but you're in, flow with, in the harmony with the universe. Mm -hmm. And the next one would be, uh, is cultivating compassion. Mm -hmm. If you don't put a prayerful intent and you run head first into your life and you butt your head against obstacles and people's shadows and the, the, the system being dogmatic and problems, you butt your head and then people have road rage and they're angry at life and they they want to blow something up and they, they're, they're angry at people or they're angry at themselves and they have self-hatred in it and it goes upon the people around them. It's kind of an abuse of energy. So the second attribute is uh, compassion. Yeah. Cultivating compassion for yourself, cultivating yeah. compassion Brothers, cultivating compassion for the ignorance of the world. Yeah. It's kind of like Jesus saying, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you can only get to that place when you've evolved from conditional love to unconditional love. Because you yeah. know that you're going to die anyway and go on into heaven. So you already got heaven speaking through you. So you're not attached to fighting for control, peace of the earth, you know, a piece of your ego mind that's defined in, in your physical attachments. So you already realize that you're going to go on into that higher place. So so cultivating an awareness that is compassion that comes from heaven. Yeah. The third attribute is our is our is, is our uh, intelligence, our intelligence because there's so much information out there that if you don't use your intelligence, you can buy hook, line, and sinker some false bullshit. Oops, yeah, me. you can buy some stuff that is like all based on somebody's propaganda, manipulating your opinion, and so we need to use our intelligence to. Not only investigate what the real truth is, to contemplate it, to meditate upon it, but also to use our experience to teach us, you know, listen to the wisdom of our own inner knowing. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like when we're young, we, we can be very much influenced by other people's ideas that claim to have knowingness. And you listen to their ideas and they can take you for a ride if you're not careful. Especially yeah. if you don't back up their sources for their information. Where, where are they coming from? And so as we begin to have to have intelligence and not be manipulated by the propaganda of anybody's information, news or alternative news, because they've all got biases. They're all influenced by their speculations or their agendas. Yeah. And so, and therefore it's like, Listening to your heart to say, I have to make decisions based on my 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 knowingness, my intelligence, because I've learned through my experience what works for me and what's you know. We ripen as we get older. We we get more wisdom as we get older. When we're younger, we we go off our beliefs, you know, our ideals. But quite often we can get uh, disillusioned by situations and people. Uh, Things don't always work out. We learn through all that. We grow as human beings. And that 
growth, it comes through us as natural wisdom. So yeah. using our intelligence like this. Yeah. And then the last one is uh, patience. Because we yeah. want to know right now. We want to go right now. We want enlightenment right now. We want to have our, our goals manifest right now. And sometimes it, it takes time for things to unfold. So by being patient, we learn how to live in the present moment. Yeah. Be here now and stop reaching for the future and stop stop uh, trying to create something in the future for, because you still have to master today. And t if you master today, then then it'll unfold naturally. You've done the work to lay the groundwork for what comes in the future. Yeah. And sometimes you, it's like life can change and there's no groundwork. You just have to fly by the seat of your pants, but at least you're anchored in your center. Yeah. You have that patience. That's kind of like the deal that all is in divine perfection right now. I don't mm. have to strive for enlightenment because I am that. Yeah. Because through our lifetimes, we have mystical experience where we touch enlightenment, then we come back down to be, you know, in the 3D world and work with the 3D world as normal people. But that yeah. enlightenment consciousness is still with us because the, the teaching of it is, uh, is still with us, the heightened consciousness. And so we just have to center in patience that we are that now. Yeah. And not put ourselves in duality because we don't feel we don't we feel restless because we're we have to do something because we don't feel at peace within ourselves. So anchoring that peace, that here nowness is is patience. Yeah. Yeah, seeing it through. I'm gonna write a book on that. So that's that's coming you up. You should. You know, I was just actually I was just gonna say you gotta you gotta get a book out there, right? Yeah, I got the other I gotta teach about the first attention and the second attention, the the day side and the night side. Yeah, for you're going to get a lot of clarity. Yeah, there are four masteries of the day side. First, we have to master our description. I'm going to write a book on this too. Maybe the same book. Master our description because if we have a, a duality-based description that's limited, then our description creates us more problems because we're stuck in duality. Yeah, we don't see, we don't reframe our perspective to see the bigger picture in the positive sense. Yeah. So mastering our description, mastering our doing. The cultivating your ability, your skills, mastering your doing, the better you do what you do, the more success you have. So always cultivating our abilities. No matter what age you are, you, you're, you're still cultivating your, your perfection and who you are. Yeah. Your beingness can be at peace with that, but our doing, like your craft, your skills, like I'm an astrologer, my understanding, I'm, I'm always still refining my understanding. It never stops. No. It's, Mastering our doing, and then mastering our energy. Because if you are burning your candle both ends and you're stressing out and you're not eating a good diet, you're not sleeping right, and if you're not connecting to the earth and the power of uh, sacred places, if you're not connecting with the spirit, if you're not mastering your energy, you know, stress is the number one killer. Yeah. It'll make you ineffective because you, you just, a lot of people who are doing good work, but they don't. They're drinking too much. They're doing things that are sabotaging themselves. And uh, mastering your energy is having an, an energetic practice that you can uh, align yourself with and live your life fully yeah. before you die. Like people have a long life, but if you're old and feeble, what kind of life is that? So having a good energy, good health, even into old age. Yeah. Mastering our energy. And then the last one is mastering our time. You ever... You know, they call it a deadline. If you don't get things done on time, the deadline puts stress on you. It's killing you, but that stress yeah. kills you. The deadline. 
So you don't pay the your pressure, bills on time. Yeah. You don't pay your mortgage on time. You don't show up at an appointment on time. You miss your flight on time. You know, like we got to master time in the three D. Yeah. And so <laughs> those are the four masteries. Yeah, you should do that. Like you, you know, that would be a really. I'd buy the book. Like I, it would be really, really good. I think you're going to get a lot that get going pretty soon, right? Like, yeah. On your journey, I think you're going to see and get that started pretty soon. I here, about, I got about three or four books I could write because the yeah. astrology and the mapping and all these ideas. Yeah, yeah. Also, my healing skills are really great. I've got some great skills to help people clear. I think in the future, I need to start teaching people how to do them so they can help their yes. clients and help themselves, help their families, so that they can uh, they can they don't may not they may not be a practitioner, but they can help to heal their children and help to heal their family. Yeah. So there's yeah, a lot I, that I could do and I've been promising for 20, 30 years. <laughs> to write a book. I haven't written a book yet because I I'm so busy with people coming to me every I, day. I joke yeah. about being a reluctant shaman because I don't want to do anymore. I've I've done so much that but as long as people ask me, I show up. Like people ask me, you can do a sweat lodge and it's uh, December 31st, and within a few weeks before that time, I had a few people ask me, and I, that's enough people that are asking me. So I'm setting it up, and next thing I know, I got 28 people in there. Wow. So yeah. people are coming, and I kind of fly under the radar because, <laughs> you know, I've seen people talk about fame, and fame is really a difficult thing sometimes. I don't want any fame. I don't, I don't really want, I just want to have peace in my life and keep it simple. And, and you know, I'll stay humble because, you know, you know, it's like we are learning how to embody the presence of the master, embody the presence of the universe. And we have to be humble for that. And I have somebody I'll be talking to, and he has an understanding of the, the spiritual, but he's still full of himself that his he's a cattle cathartic to certain people pushing their buttons. And I say, you have to be able to move to the left without triggering people. Yeah. And it's not easy not to trigger people because people get triggered. People have trauma, people have issues, and you can trigger them just by having strong energy. But that's why, for me, I want to cultivate more and more being uh, like, like the wind, not triggering people, uh, being just no ego here, just trying to be as empty and selfless as I can be so that so the universe can flow through me. Yeah. And it's easy to see that when somebody else is doing it, but to see yourself when you do it, when I do it. So I'm like, okay, let me, I'm seeing this in certain people. So now let me practice being translucent. Yeah. Cause I mean, like even with my work, it's like, you know, the more people that I can help, the more it's going to bring more peace on earth. And the more I can help and teach others, it expands. And then that person can help that person and so on and so on. So like for me, that that's my reward. Because I mean, to create peace on earth, I mean that that's everything. I mean that that's everything. And especially people struggling and such like that, just to really pick them up and and help them through it, where they're like, wow, I feel so much better. I mean, job done, check mark. That person leaves with more peace within them, their heart with a better understanding. That's why yeah. I do my work. The work That's what I motivates do. me because I I I, uh, I, I love helping people and being in the role that I'm doing. I do need a vacation, so that's why I'm going to go to Hawaii for a little bit. 
Yeah. And, you know, we are working for a new time that we're giving birth to a new age. And we have to have a patience that we may see it in our lifetimes. We may not see it in our lifetimes because the, the social collective is going to move at its own pace and we may come and go. So the main thing is that we awaken the heaven within ourselves, the peace within ourselves, do our best to help lift others up. And, and uh, everything we do there is bringing beauty in the world. That, that goes with us into the heaven realm. And so if enough of us can do that, you know, I'm not sure if we're going to have a collective shift where everybody makes the shift over, or only maybe small numbers of people make the shift. And, and uh, it's how soon that can happen. If you remember Edgar Casey, Edgar Casey talked about the great earth changes in the year 2000, but because of the spiritual work being done and the awakening taking place at birth in the 60s, that time got pushed back. And talk about the Mayan calendar 2012 and the great shift happening. <clears throat> yeah, that 2012 was amazing. Like I went into deep trances that year, like and incredible. Like I, I get messages coming through, um, shows me bits and pieces of my future. And no other reader has ever picked up on that. And what I was showing has happened, like has happened and happening. So we had some we had some divine intervention back then because there were some big solar flares that almost hit the planet that missed us. Yeah. You know, uh, unexpectedly missed us. So there's been a lot of fear about the sun flaring really big. And these next two years, we're going to have a really big solar flare cycle. They've been talking about the biggest solar flares that ever recorded coming up now. When the sun is flaring, and with the astrological aspects we have with this Pluto and Aquarius thing, the social revolution taking place, when the sun gives out a lot of power, it, it gives energy to our psyches. If you're on a spiritual path and you're centering and grounding, and you empty yourself so you're not ego-based, but you're aligning to your soul, then that power is going to help you to step to the next level of your growth, of yeah. your uh, your capacity to be a conduit for the source. For the source, yeah. but if you're stuck in duality and you're stuck in fighting with the duality and ego-based and attached and got your addictions to the 3D, that can make people go a little cuckoo. And yeah. The more and more war and struggle and conflict and stupidity, and so you know the. As the sun makes greater energetic releases like this, it affects our weather. Yeah, yeah. Most people talk about others. Oh, uh, they're doing weather manipulations. Well, maybe that's true, but there may be some truth to that. But the Earth is doing it anyway, because the Earth is going to wake up humanity. Yeah. By, by the shaking, the shifting of the Mother Earth, she's going to make human beings realize they're not in control. Yeah. And, you know, when you have earth, big earthquakes, like they just had a big one in Japan, they had earthquakes everywhere. It's happening at an uptick level now with more volcanoes going off and greater storms and flooding and fires and droughts and extreme hot and cold. The earth changes. Mm. going to make human beings have to learn how to live in harmony with the earth. And, you know, the changes that are coming we can see these big tidal surges, these big big tidal activities, waves. We can see um, human beings are having to, like, you know, adapt to the change. Yeah. Like we're having these big waves in California this last couple of days. 
And um, that's even uh, Casey, like Edgar Casey. It's like the, you know, certain predictions with with that, like around the Pacific, even. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, like I, I always like say, like we we have to treat Mother Earth with respect in order for Mother Earth to treat us with respect. That's how I've always seen it. Well, what I was shown was that uh, the star people actually intervened with the Earth to stabilize us from going through the catastrophes that Casey had foreseen. Yeah. There was a guy named uh, Gordon Michael Scallion. He had maps of the future Earth, and it dated to 2000 with the ocean coming up to Sedona. The ocean has been here before, but ocean coming back by the year 2000. Uh, a woman named Lori Torrey had received visions and divine guidance from the people in a higher council, but they gave the I Am America map with the sacred cities and also very similar to Gordon Michael Scallion's map and Edgar Casey's map, very similar descriptions. So this big earth change is coming. Now the star people told me that we're gonna have the great awakening before the cataclysm comes. When is the cataclysm? You know, how long is it pushed back? How soon can we awaken? So how much intervention can change intervenes that our social reality can continue and humanity can wake up more gradually than versus, you know, majority of people checking out because uh, the earth has changed and the, 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 the waves hit all the coastlines and take everybody out, you know, 90% of the population. Yeah. So, and you know, when people talk about uh, having a near-death experience, it's like, I was scared to death to die and I crossed over. It was so beautiful. Yeah. The universe oh. was God, was pure love. And yeah. I, I'm back home. I want to stay. What am I doing clinging into the 3D world? Yeah. So I don't want to go back. And then the people there say, no, you have to go back. Yeah. It's not your time yet. Yeah. And they give them a life review and they see everything they ever said, did, or thought that harmed another. And they say, oh, wow, I was a really bad person, wasn't I? And they say, yeah, you were really bad. But look at all the good you did. You did a lot of good. You did way more good than bad. Now you know the truth. Yeah. Like Jesus saying, judge not if you judge yourself. As you do to others, you do to yourself. As you do to others, you do to me. Yeah. yeah. So people say, um, I pray to Jesus, but if they're treating their neighbor wrong and they're not having any compassion, they got a rude awakening coming because they're going to be shown where they're lying to themselves, where they're stuck in their lower ego mind. So, so knowing that that death is a part of the great awakening, because we all got to face death, Pluto, Lord of Death. Toltec wisdom says that's our great advisor, because death teaches us to let go of what doesn't matter, and all that matters is our heart, our love, our capacity to live our life fully with no regrets that we've done right and we're at peace and ready to go on. We don't have any karma, any debts we owe because we've made it right. We try to reconcile because who knows how many lifetimes we've been where we were fighting, we were at war, we were hurting each other. Our lifetimes now, people we've loved and then we break up, we have love and hate and divorce and, you know, I like you, now I hate you and I judge you and you're triggering me. All this, we want to heal all that. Ho'oponopono, yeah. Hawaiian, uh, I'm taking total responsibility to make things right. I'm sorry, yeah. Great Spirit. Please forgive me for my shortcomings, for my for my mistakes, how I may have hurt others, not even aware that I have hurt them. Please forgive me if I've been selfish 
and great spirit, help me that I may be a conduit for your love and your light. And now let me visualize a person that I know that I'm in a relationship that is suffering. And I'm sorry that you're suffering. I am one with you. I'm sorry for that. The suffering that great spirit lift us up, that this, I may lift this person up because I am one with my brother and sister. Forgive me if I've hurt them. And as we be, as we evolve, we mature spiritually. We can forgive people that have done us wrong. You know, people stabbed you in the back, this kind of thing. Like, love them and forgive them. Yeah. And if we do this with its changing time, yeah. If it's time to go, we just go. It's all good. Yeah. But I do believe that we're going to have an ascension. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, I've seen, like, even people that I never thought would change, let's say, and, and awaken, awakening. Like, I'm, I get, certain calls and I'm like, really? Like that, that's, I'm so excited and happy for you. Right. Like just different people and such like that from what they've experienced and seen and been through and such like that They're, you know, and that's, that's the gift and that's the blessing like that. That's the blessing with it all. I mean, even when I do, you know, like chanting and prayers every day and such like that, I, I send out prayers to like unconditional love and, and all of that to humanity and species and everything every day but i send it out even more so to like the dark forces people who are really struggling that are hurting others because if they had an experienced unconditional love within they would automatically change and radiate their energy differently yes because they're, they're wounded so it's like that song the aquarius sympathy and understanding crystal visions Mystic Revelations, Aquarius, when the moon is in the seventh house and Jupiter aligns with Mars. Seventh house is right relations. Jupiter and Mars is working for a greater good and a vision that we're working towards. So this idea, the dawn of the age of Aquarius is the fifth dimension. Now, some people may say this time is coming 100 years from now or 170 years, 100, 200 years from now. But it's coming for us in each of our... We in our lifetime before we die, we can realize it now. Yeah. And and with uh it could happen sooner. It could happen in the next couple of years, you know. Yeah. It could be yeah. years, it could be two years. Yeah. But if we were to have a collective like uh one of my friends, I did a journey with her. I, dr I drummed and journeyed her into a deep meditative state. She was like a medium, and in this, we were asking about the future. This was maybe like five or six years ago. And a woman came to her, and my contacts had been women, so it was probably one of these these goddesses that had contacted me before. But she came to her and asked through my friend if I had questions. She had the elongated skull, like those goddesses from ancient Sumeria or Egypt. And I asked her, amongst other questions, I said, what is the probability that we get hit by a comet or like a meteorite, kind of like what Nostradamus prophesied? Because we have that apothesis, some comet or that asteroid coming around 2029 and again 2036. What, what is the pro probability that we get hit by a comet or an asteroid? It's an extinction level event. She said, timelines are fluid. There, there's nothing is set that has to be. Mm. She said, that is one probability that could happen. Yep. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Doesn't mean it won't happen. It could happen, but it's not necessary. But if it does happen, it's game over. Everybody's free. You're right <laughs> back in heaven and you're all thankful that you're back. Yeah. And that yeah. may be, because with Edgar Casey's prophecy, he talked about the great earth changes in the year 2000. 
Earth axis shift, continent is shifting, you know, wiping out the populations, and then the new millennium, heaven on earth beginning then, which means that that's in the fifth dimension. It's not in the 3D. So if you have to die to go into it, or can we ascend by raising our frequency and go into it? And so it may be that it comes in waves that some people were more aware and quicker in their frequency and their understanding can raise into it and move into it without dying this lifetime. And others come and catch up in later waves as the quickening strengthens. Yeah. But it's a mystery. So I just say, like, just have patience because we may see it in our lifetime. We could see it in two years or it could be a hundred years. So just live your life right. And, yeah. and master being here now, because ultimately we're in a dream. This is just a, a, a cosmic play. It's not ultimately real when we graduate to the next level. So while we're down here, it may stress us out and we struggle for our survival and our well-being. But as we cultivate our detachment and alignment with the soul force, then it's all good. There's, it's all good. It's all part of the, like a movie that is very entertaining. And we have a little drama and excitement. We get back to the side and we can all laugh about it and say, okay, we learned some good lessons and now we're back living in love. Yeah. It's the only way. It's the only way. Right. Only way. Love can heal the earth. Power, the power of love, the power of unconditional love. That that's what I radiate towards, you know, everyone in humanity and all its species. Because if they even felt that or had that, they just automatically change, just instantly. Well, we because they'd want to stay there. Earth. They'd want to stay there in that frequency. We live on the earth, so it's all about evolving through love. Yeah, we have to have healthy boundaries around us. People yeah. have been abused as children. They don't feel love, so they allow abusive relationships. They get yeah. older. You, as a child, you want to be loved. If you don't feel understood, and you rebel as a teenager, if you rebel against your parents who may have loved you, loved you, loved you, then you're a teenager, and then you're rebelling, and now you're hating your parents. And the parents are like, "What the hell did I have children for?" And then the children get a little older, and they, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I was that way, and I love you, and thank you, and." You marry somebody, I love you so much, but then I hate you because things didn't go right between us. And, yeah. and, and then we are learning about love. And as we get older and become like a grandparent, it's like, you know, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Pray for them. Pray for them to protect them from the ignorance of the world. Pray for the young ones because they need that protection because there is negative forces in the world trying to take the children down, trying to take us human beings down. Pray for our relations and protect them with divine love. Yeah. And as we get older, then we can say, you know, you were really challenging. It was really painful for me, but I love you anyways. And, you know, when you, like you ever had a kid and your kid is like being like headstrong and being just rebellious to you. And like when you were a kid doing maybe to your parents and they're angry. I remember my mother saying, okay, wait, uh, I'm, I wait till you have a kid and then you learn the lesson. Right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I said, oh, my mother put that curse on me. Okay, mama, thank you. <laughs> Please forgive me for my mistakes and being a rebel. Because I was a rebel. I didn't want to conform. She was very conservative, religious, and I was <laughs> wild. And I just wanted to conform to all that. Yeah. So then then the ones you love, when they don't want to agree with you, like yeah. siblings. You know the saying, like uh, Eckhart Tolle, he's, 
he's this kind of monk, very slow and be in the moment and let breathe deep and be here now. And he makes he milks every moment with the he shared with people and he would say, "You think you got it all together? Go spend the holidays with your family." And everybody <laughs> laughed because you know, like, because you know, don't talk politics and religion because everybody's arguing and fighting and yeah. rivalries from childhood come up and you know who's right and who's wrong and who's the who was the dominating person in the family and abused their power and who was victimized and who wasn't hurt and you know all those family uh, constellations you might say yeah. and uh, and then you just give love to each person and forgive them love and forgiveness you can heal your family by doing ho'oponopono mm. ho'oponopono it's all across the YouTube and internet now with people practicing it but there's a woman that brought it through that taught the guy that made it famous and she has 108 verses of Ho'oponopono. Forgive me for this life to my past, whatever mistakes I may have made. I'm so thankful and grateful for this type of thing. And so we can heal our family lines. We can heal our, We can heal who we are now, but it takes us to become elder and wiser because when we're, people are younger, they have like, I wish some vengeance on you and I curse you and they, I'm angry at you and I hate you and I'm spiritual, but I'm judging you and, you know, and so as people get older, they can begin to practice true wisdom. Yeah. That takes patience and, and compassion. Absolutely. Wisdom and prayerful intent. So if if somebody wanted to like get a hold of you, I mean I I could talk to you for hours, like so easy, like so easy, right? <laughs> so if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, you know, and, and find out more information, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, I get overwhelmed with messages and I'm slow with email. I get to meet you in a few days. Like sometimes I don't even want to look at it because I'm overwhelmed. I don't have a secretary. But if somebody emails me, they don't hear from me, then text me on my cell phone because my number is there. Or if you message me on Facebook Messenger and you go right into my spam folder, I have had hundreds of messages in there that I didn't know I had. Yeah. I can't keep up with that because... Uh, I, I miss people because they come in and they expect me to be there and answer right away. Like, yeah. if I don't, if you don't hear from me from email or messenger or Instagram or WhatsApp, text me and, or call me and leave a message. If I don't answer, leave a message. And, yeah. and if your time is limited, text me again. Because, <laughs> you know, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. It's not yeah. bothering me unless you keep asking questions over and over and over and try to milk me for information without just connecting and setting something up. And, you know, sometimes people will try to shop around for everybody and they want you to tell them about their itinerary, what should I do? And what I'm not a concierge, you know, just talk to me about what we can do. Yeah. And, and um, maybe I'll get a secretary in time and something <laughs> that can happen for me. But right now I'm, I'm handling it all myself. So. Yeah, exactly. So, Again, uh, texting and calling is the quickest, but email and those other ways are definitely ways to do it. But if you don't hear from me, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Reach out again. Reach out again. Definitely. You know, and and I mean, like we're gonna have, um, you know, like your your links and such like that under the video as well. So you know, for people to contact you and such like that and. And I always like to ask too, because that's the thing. Sometimes it can take quite some time to get back to people, you know, 
we all have busy schedules and such like that. And, and, you know, somebody's like, well, I sent you that message. Why didn't you get back to me? And I'm like, sorry, I haven't even got to it yet. Or it, it can go missing. Mercury retrograde. Look at that. Right. Messages go missing yeah. as it is. Right. So, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, thanks so much for taking the time and chatting with me again you know like i i literally could talk to you for hours and hours and hours i i easily easily could on so many different things so many different things you know as you're walking down the beach on them rocks <laughs> yeah Kauai, i'm yeah Kauai, you know I'm, I'm oh. Be I'm, oh and I'm then really rocks back to yeah i love the sacred rocks out there oh you can talk to them pick up the rocks Anytime I'm there, I, I'm I like, love your picture I, behind you. That picture is uh, Kauai. Oh, and then behind me is, of course, Sedona. Yeah, I love Sedona, though. I, I love Sedona, right? Sacred places, you know. Sacred oh, yeah. Sacred yeah. But like the rocks, I will literally hold, like, I'll get drawn to a rock and I will hold it and I'll get this message coming in. Like, even like um, when the big island with the volcano the year before. I was laying on the beach and I had this really cool rock and I put it on me and <clears throat> I started seeing a painting because I do paintings every now and then that I was supposed to do. And it was like a chakra of Hawaii, right? Um, like a tree and everything and all of this kind of stuff. And then when I got home, I started doing this painting. There's a lot of fires and such. And I added on and everything. And then the volcano happened, right? I, I just love the sacredness, sacredness of Hawaii. It's like my home away from home. So it's it's very profound, like for those of you who haven't been there. And for you, I, I literally can see a few things that are going to happen for you when you're there. So I think that's going to be so exciting. I'm so excited for you. So excited for you. As I, as I mentioned, I really mean it because yeah. just you wait to see what will happen. <laughs> My son was over there at the Big Island for his first time over there. And he said, Dad, the rocks were speaking to me. And yes. I was so alive. And I, I felt such a connection. Yes. So I'm hoping that I can have more connection there and bring him over there and help him on his uh, awakening. Oh, yeah. He's very gifted. Yeah. Oh. oh, it's just extraordinary. Just, I get, oh, it's like my home, home, my, the only place I've ever felt a home really. You know, we can feel a home anywhere. I get that. But it's the only place I've really, really, really felt where I belong, honestly. Right? <laughs> Without going well, into details. Well, on Maui, that's how I felt, too. And then the day came. It's time to go. Then yeah. came Sabrina, and I'm really at home here. I just feel like I just so plugged in here. But now yeah. I want to go back and you know, I want to be able to, you know, go back to Hawaii and other places that have been, been calling me for a long time that I haven't been to yet. Yeah. And uh, yeah, abs absolutely. The weather stays well and that you know there's not you know too much uh, problems trying to travel yeah <laughs> yeah i hear you on that even i went and spread my dad's ashes um recently in october and i don't watch the news so i'm at the airport and i'm like oh my god like should i have a mask and i'm like i i didn't know anything and i'm like jenny you should have like at least like tuned in i didn't so i i just winged it right <laughs> you know and i'm like okay i was a little nervous because i'm like oh gosh i should have like i should have at least seen what 
what was kind of going on just for me, just so there's no drama, as I call it, with security or anything, right? And I didn't. I just winged it, and away I went. And you know, it was very cool, very. Cool. So I just got to keep your prayers going and, and going faith and hopefully. Yeah, that's will... all I do. That's all I do. I, like, but but seriously, next time though, if I travel, I will purposely check to see what the status is because. You know, but I, I just kind of go with the flow and my, do my own little thing. And then I'm like, oh, so it was yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. On, my my dad wanted a send off and oh, my goodness sakes. I, oh, that was a send off. All right. Like, oh, oh, I wanted to stay really low key, really, really low key. Like I didn't want anybody to be around. Oh, my God. As soon as I spread his ashes, I wasn't like I wasn't realizing. Oh, my Lord. All of these like birds and all of these geese surrounded me on in the water because I was like on the beach there and I'm like no go away I didn't want anybody to be coming around and the smoke like literally went up in the air and and then he, I have photos of it and then here's his ashes and like and I'm like oh and I'm like well there you go dad there there is your send-off right and all these animals and i'm like you guys know like just you know i don't want the attention right like i don't want people to come around to see what i'm doing it was so i'm like there you go that you you like the scandals so there you go dad right good, like, good spiritual manifestation that uh, <laughs> the animals yeah. are witnessing and the animals want to create communicate more and more now so yeah yeah, because I'm also an animal communicator, right? So yeah, yeah. It, it's normal for them to come around me all the time. But but I'm like, yeah. not this time. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's yeah, funny. A little, little bit of space to do my thing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want the attention because I wasn't supposed to be doing what I was doing, right? Right. So I'm like, but I'm like, okay, all right, spirit, you know, you you planned it, and it was it was quite extraordinary, like experience and everything like that right so and it was interesting because it, it it was so like extravagant right that i went back every because i stayed in a like a a motel across the street from the beach and i would go every day walking along the beach to see okay is his ashes gone no 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 two you know the chunks and stuff right in the water and the day before i was leaving that evening because i'd go every day then the ashes started to go away. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Thanks, Dad. Ashes are very heavy. And people put their ashes in the Sedona areas and they mistakenly put them where people go, the popular spots. It's, a, it's not good to do that because it's now your ashes are in the middle of people and it makes a mess like that. So I do ash ceremonies to honor people's relatives and bring the family. But we go into the dry washes and where the dry washes are, we I dig out some of the sands and the rocks and make a place to put the ashes there. And with a little medicine wheel circle of rocks, we do a prayer. And everybody speaks to the memory of their loved one and good times and, and uh, how they remember them and see them. And the presence of that person who's deceased is usually there listening to their loved ones. And then we, we cover it up and then you don't even know it's ever been there. And when the rains come... And they start flash flooding down the washes that washes it away. And uh, I think it's really important to put ashes in a place where people are not uh, disturbed by them. Yeah. Or people disturb them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree. I, <laughs> that's why I was like thinking it would be really low key, right? You know, but no, no, no. But I, you know, the, the ashes, yeah, that like that 
evening just before I left. I was leaving in the morning and, and I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. It was very cool. Like, you know, I could go on about it more. And it was very cool. Like even a feather, like a little feather like this appeared, like right beside. I have a photo of that. And oh, it was so cool. The little seagull was talking to me, right? And I'm like, okay, all right. So very cool. Very cool. But anyways, like I'm saying, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours and hours. So it's been uh, um, it's been really nice speaking with you. And uh may we all find this greater peace and wisdom within us. Pray for the human beings and for nature and Mother Earth and pray for all sentient beings that human beings can cooperate and find common ground and uh, spiritual awakening may be here now. And I want to thank you for inviting me to share with you and I wish you blessings on your changes and travels and may it all move in divine flow, grace for all who seek the light. Go home. Yes. And thanks again, Rahelio. You know, aloha, right? <laughs> I'll be thinking of you. I'll be, I'll believe me, I'll be thinking about you when you're out there and such like that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And, and thanks everyone for tuning in. Um, you know, and, and make sure you subscribe to my channel and my podcast and such in order to catch these extraordinary interviews and, and that. And, um, you never know, you might see Rahelio coming back on and we might go live again and where you can talk to him and ask him questions as well. You never know. So until next time, you guys live in the modality of love and light and show love and kindness to others. Namaste, everyone. Thank you, Rahelio. Mm -hmm.